This is the sound of the staff here at Focus on the Family Canada every weekday morning at 9 a.m. Petitioning God for those with crisis in their marriage, for those who want to become better parents, and those who are lifting up loved ones to the hope that one day they will know the salvation that Christ has to offer. We'd love to hear from you too. Call us today with your prayer requests at 1-800-A-FAMILY or email us at prayer at FOTF.ca. Every ounce of mental and emotional energy I have, I need to survive this marriage. He's so harsh and negative toward everyone and everything that I don't feel like I can even breathe. I just don't feel safe. His words, they cut like a knife. He treats me like the enemy, but then he expects me to be available whenever he's interested. I'm tired of being his mother. He constantly blames and criticizes me for everything that goes wrong. Nothing is ever his fault. Those comments reflect the pain and suffering that some women are facing, uh, maybe on a daily basis. It's not the marriage they wanted or expected, and now they feel trapped. Maybe you know how they feel. On today's Focus on the Family, we'll offer some understanding and hope to both men and women who are dealing with abusive, destructive relationships. Your host is Focus President and author Jim Daly, and I'm John Fuller. John, this is such a difficult and challenging topic, especially in the Christian community. For me, it's hard to fathom how a loving couple who vowed to care for and cherish one another can become so dysfunctional in their marriage. But the research is clear. In America, nearly 20 people are physically abused by an intimate partner every minute. One in four women and one in nine men will experience severe violence from someone they love. If this has been your experience, we grieve with you and for you, and we're praying that you'll get the help you need. Uh, We're going to offer that help on today's program, along with some resources that can change the dynamic of your marriage. Yeah, there is hope. Don't hesitate to contact us if you need help. We do have caring Christian counselors who are available to hear your story and advise you on some next steps toward healing. Our number is 800, the letter A and the word family, 800-232-6459. And of course, your call is confidential. And Jim, we should note that abuse can go both ways. In the majority of cases, it seems, wives and girlfriends are the victims of physical, emotional, and other kinds of abuse. But men can be victimized as well. Well, that's an important point, John. And men, we get it. We know you're out there, and we want to present a balanced message here. But our guest today specializes in counseling women who are experiencing abuse, and much of our conversation will be within that context. The fact is, we don't focus on this issue enough. Uh, We need to bring it into the light so we can better understand what abuse is and learn from it, and ultimately bring God's healing and restoration to broken relationships. Our guest is certainly qualified uh, to do just that. Leslie Vernick is a licensed clinical social worker. She is committed to rescuing people trapped in destructive relationships and knows firsthand what those kinds of relationships are like. Leslie has written a book called The Emotionally Destructive Marriage, and uh, here's how Jim started the conversation on today's episode of Focus on the Family. Paint a picture for us, because you do work with so many couples and so many women. Uh, What does this look like? I think we all understand physical abuse and the idea that we need to 
uh, protect ourselves from that. If you're in that kind of relationship, you need to seek safety, get out of that physical location, all those things that we'll talk about in a while. But uh, paint that picture for us, what we're talking about with emotional destructive abuse. You know, the church has rather been silent on that whole topic. They've sort of said, of course, if your husband is beating you or threatening to kill you, if he stabbed you, of course you need to leave. But, you know, the Bible is quite clear that reckless words, for example, pierce like a sword, mm. and that life and death is in the power of the tongue, and that God's word is clear that what we say and how we say things to people regularly over time can affect their spirit, a broken heart or crushed spirit who can bear. Mm. And so I think that God validates the reality of our um, harsh words on someone's soul, spirit, and body. And I think we as Christians need to validate that too. Now, we all say bad things at times. That doesn't mean that it's going to crush a person. But when that continues day after day, week after week, as in a marriage, when you're with someone all the time and they're constantly belittling you or demeaning you or disrespecting you with their words or their tone, rolling their eyes, snickering at whatever you say, it begins to undermine who you are as a person, and it can destroy you. Uh, Leslie, we're talking today predominantly about women that are on the, the wrong end of this, where their husbands are approaching life in that way. Uh, perhaps people that feel that they're in sync with the Lord, and they're going to church, and they're paying tithes, and they're doing everything they need to do. But verbally, they can attack with their words. We don't put it in that kind of category. Help us better understand why this is as important. You just did a bit of that, but you got to get through our thick heads as men. Mm. So why, you know, that little sarcasm, that, that negative thing that we say, almost sometimes we think is humorously, is really destructive? Well, I think the biggest thing that a man needs to understand, as well as a woman, is if someone says, ouch, like, this isn't funny to me, this hurts that that's when the person, the spouse, whether it's a man or a woman, needs to wake up and realize that I don't get pleasure at someone else's expense and then expect to have a good relationship with them. And so if your wife or your husband is saying to you, you know, the way that you talk to me is demeaning and disrespectful and it cuts me off of the knees and it makes me feel like I can't even respond. It makes me feel crazy inside because we never have a conversation that goes anywhere. Um, it's always a blame or an attack. It's shifting truth around and reality is distorted. I can't know you and have a conversation with you if we can't talk about things honestly and freely. And so whether it's a man who's doing that or a woman who's doing that or both, um, when one person is giving someone feedback that this isn't working for them, that's when the person needs to wake up and say, okay, what do we need to do differently? But in destructive marriages, that doesn't happen. Give us uh, more of the example, because again, you've counseled with so many couples. Uh, you've touched on it there where a, a man might be verbally abusive. It, play it out for us. What would be a statement that's over the line? Okay, so let me give you an example that we would just drop our jaws at. And it's not a recognized form of abuse, but it is abuse. And I'll call it indifference. Indifference to a person's feelings, just like we talked about, can be abusive if it's regular and repetitive. So Susan, I can't remember the name I called her in the book, but I'll call her Susan now. She felt her husband had been ignoring her for long periods of time. Anytime she would ask him for attention or take a walk, have a conversation, do something together, he would always have something more important to do, whether it's his sports, his work, his television, whatever, what he wanted to do always came first, except for sex. When he wanted sex, he expected her to be immediately available and warm and loving and friendly. And she found that over time harder and harder to do. So she wired up her courage, and we worked together on her having a very 
direct but respectful conversation with her husband. And this is what she told him. She said, you know, honey, I know that you are unhappy with our sex life and that you'd like me to be more warm and responsive in the bedroom. But I just can't manufacture those feelings when you ignore me for long periods of time and we don't have anything else in common. We don't do anything together. You ignore me most of the time. And whenever I ask you for something, you shoot me down. Wouldn't you rather have a wife who's loving and warm and friendly in the bedroom than someone who's just doing her wifely duty? Mm. So that was the question she asked him. You know what his response was? Of course I would. But if wifely duty is all I get, it's good enough. Mm. Wow. Now that statement completely cut her off at the knees. Because what he's really saying to her is that you are an object to use, not a woman to love. And that completely crushed her spirit. And how's a woman to live like that in a long-term relationship? Well, and that what shocks me in that statement is the lack of desire on the husband's part to actually want to do better. I think there is, and it could be an excuse, but some men, again, were thinking in a one-directional way. Uh, we struggle thinking in multiple layers, <laughs> and you probably know that. But it's not an excuse. I mean, when your spouse says to you, I need help, there needs to be a response that's affirming and hopefully a thankful heart to say, thank you for pointing out these blind spots. Why is it so difficult for men to react in the better way? I think two men have two things, destructive men, have two things in common that are real Achilles heels for their growth. One is they cannot tolerate hearing any negative feedback about themselves. So when a woman would say something like that, instead of reflecting and saying, wow, boy, she's really hurt. I never thought about it that way before. I need to get my act together. They will crush her or they will withdraw from her, but they won't listen to her. And so the behavior never changes because he's not willing to hear it. It's sort of like when you look in the mirror and you see that you have dirt on your face, most people would then self-correct. They would say, oh my gosh, the feedback from the mirror is telling me something's wrong. I need to do something differently. Mm -hmm. But for these men, when they receive feedback from their wives that something they're doing is painful, harmful, destructive, foolish, you know, don't spend the money on that investment that's going to crash the bank, they won't hear her, and they will use the headship card. I'm the head. I get to make the final say. And then she has no say, no voice, and their finances go down the tubes, and she's supposed to just submit and be happy and never mention it again. I want to bring a little bit of balance to this because, uh, again, where is that line where um, you're both trying hard, you want to do the right thing, you want to be all you can be to your spouse, and in this case to your wife, but yet you fall short. Where is that line between abuse and just normal trying to do better and falling short sometimes? You make a great point, Jim, and we're not talking about that kind of marriage in this book. The kind of marriage you just mentioned is a disappointing marriage or a difficult marriage. Okay, so a disappointing marriage, you know, no couple has all 52 cards in their marriage. There's some things that are missing, and you learn to live with that graciously, and you forbear, and you endure, and you grow, and you work together, and that's how it is. And that's how most of our marriages are. Maybe I'd like to write a book someday, How Do You Live in a C-Minus Marriage? Because a lot of people are in a C-Minus Marriage most of the time. They have A-plus moments, and they have D-minus moments, and most of the time it's C, C-minus. And we need to learn how to live that way in a godly way, but we're not talking about that kind of marriage in this book. Um, we're also not talking about a difficult marriage. A difficult marriage is where there's a lot of external stressors. Um, there could be in-law problems, job stressors, financial difficulties, special needs children, personality differences, values differences, and how a couple negotiates those if they're both willing to be respectful and both willing to work on things. A difficult marriage doesn't need to turn destructive. But that's not what we're talking about in these marriages. You said, 
how do they do it when they both are really trying hard? In a destructive marriage, both aren't trying really hard. Mm. One isn't trying at all. Mm-hmm. Hey, what about uh, for the wife that is hearing this discussion? She's thinking, okay, that is my husband. Uh, I've been trying for years to talk to him about this. He seems to respond occasionally, but he gets a C-. minus. Um, he's still grading in that area. What are some things that she can do to better arrest his attention to get control here? I talk a lot about that in my book, How to Act Right When Your Spouse Acts Wrong, because when a husband is acting wrong, I think there are things that we can do to influence and invite our spouse into healthy change. And so when we, as a woman, talk in a respectful, non-demeaning, non-shaming way to our husband, when we continue to encourage them and affirm them in the things that they're doing right, I think most men want to be better men. Most men want to be good husbands. Most men want to make their wives happy. And so I think a woman has a lot of power in a C-minus marriage to perhaps encourage her husband in certain areas. But I also think she needs to understand that there may be certain areas that he never is able to change or wants to change. I'll just give you my own personal story. My husband may not want me to say this, but I'll say it anyway, um, because I don't mind. He's not a A-plus handyman around the house. <laughs> okay, okay? I'm, I'm with him. He's probably painfully aware of that. <laughs> and he's that painfully fact. aware, and yeah. you know what? It doesn't bother him a lick. He doesn't care <laughs> that he's not an A-plus handyman. My father was an A-plus handyman. So mm. when we got married, I was looking for an A-plus handyman, and that wasn't his deal. He grew up in an apartment. He didn't need to fix a whole lot of things. His dad didn't need to fix a whole lot of things. So he never learned those things. And he can fix some things. But most of the time we hire out for those things. And I have come to just, that's okay. He doesn't need to improve that. He doesn't need to work on that. Um, That's who he is. That's what he is. He doesn't like to do those things. He does a lot of other things that are wonderful. But that's not what we're talking in these kind of marriages. We're not talking about C minus. We're talking about D minus and F behaviors. Mm. Uh, let's talk about the shoe being on the other foot as well, since we're on the subject. How often does the abuse go the other direction? That, uh, you know, a husband is trying the best he can, and his wife's not responding either. Maybe she's, over the years, developed quite a callus, and there's a lot of suspicion about the husband's motivations. But s- sometimes the shoe is on the other foot. Well, absolutely. And I debated long and hard when I wrote this book if I was going to write it to men and women or just to women. And I have just been torn by that because I did write an article, Men Are Victims of Domestic Abuse as well. And so I have information on my website for them. But in the end, I felt like I had a better audience with women to talk to them about the things I wanted to say. And I used up every single word they allowed me. And so I didn't have enough room to (laughs) (laughs) conclude that in the book. But yes, men can be victims of abuse too. This Focus on the Family broadcast will continue in just a moment. Here's your Deeks Insurance Tip of the Day for controlling your rising insurance premiums. Inquire about the opportunity to purchase accident forgiveness. The Evangelical Group Plan offers a convenient coverage called the Accident Premium Protector. In the event of a loss, your rates won't be affected on renewal as a result of the claim. For other helpful tips or for a no-obligation quote on your current insurance, call Deeks Insurance. 1-800-240-5283. DeeksInsurance.ca. So many families are struggling with fear, anxiety, and loneliness right now. At Focus on the Family Canada, we hear from these families every day and strive to provide them with the practical help they need. In these challenging times, families need to know the hope we have in God through Jesus Christ. Recently, Janice shared this with us. Thank you for spreading seeds of hope, joy, love, and peace to those who are struggling today with fear. Your program and ministry are healing hearts and reaching many who are lost and don't know where to turn. More families than ever are turning to Focus on the Family Canada 
for help and support. Will you donate so these families can find the hope they need to face today's challenges? Make a monthly commitment or a one-time donation today at focusonthefamily.ca slash family or call 1-800-THE-LETTER-A-AND-THE-WORD-FAMILY. Thanks for listening to Focus on the Family. Let's resume now with the balance of today's programming. Uh, Leslie, let's speak to the woman. Maybe you could describe for me a woman that is in a, an abusive relationship. But help me better understand, because I'm maybe lost in that. I don't realize that I am. Hmm. It's probably common, mm-hmm. because everybody thinks everybody else is kind of reacting or living in the same soup that this person's living in. How does that realization hit as you've seen that work experientially in your practice? When does a woman go, wow, that is me and I'm in trouble? You know, I think that a lot of times that's true. We live with something, it's sort of like the frog in the boiling water. (laughs) They live in it for so long, they don't realize they're being burned. Um, And so I think that when a woman begins to wake up and realize that, oh my gosh, I'm in a destructive marriage, I'm in an abusive marriage, they have one of two reactions. Either they can begin to start retaliating with some verbal, I wouldn't say abuse of their own, but trying to be stronger, trying to stand up for themselves. And they may not do it in the right way, so it makes things worse, and then they start to shut down. Or they may try to shut down and just try to pretend all is well. And I think in the Christian community, we've encouraged women sort of to do the latter. We've encouraged them to just shut up, put up with it, he's a sinner, you're a sinner, forgive him, love him better, and hopefully he'll come around. And that does not work in these kind of situations. If you chronically feel afraid in your marriage, that's a sign that you're in a destructive relationship. You shouldn't feel afraid in your marriage. Now you mean physically afraid. Physically afraid, emotionally afraid, financially afraid, sexually afraid, spiritually afraid. You can't open your mouth without something coming at you that's going to hurt you. You feel afraid. You know, and so those are all ways that someone can be harsh, hard, or dominate and have control over you. And so when you feel afraid in your marriage, then that's a red flag. If you're afraid in your dating relationship, that's a red flag. If you feel chronically controlled, like you have no choice, you have no voice, you have to do what the other person says, you can never say no, it never goes your way, it's all about them all the time, then that's a destructive relationship because you're not free to be the person that God's called you to be. Mm. You're not free to be yourself. You're not free to express your own opinion or your own ideas without being shot down or snickered at or told you're ridiculous or crazy or ungodly or unspiritual Mm. or stupid. Another thing is if a woman feels, or a man, feels confused, like, wait a minute, I thought we agreed to this and now you're doing that. And that happens a lot. Or I thought you told me this, and now you're saying you didn't say that. Wait a minute. I thought we had this conversation, and now you're saying we never had this conversation. So really knowing reality. That's right. And you're constantly scratching your head saying, let me give you an example. A woman told me, she said, I told my husband that I was really angry that he was late. He didn't come home from work for two hours. And I said, all you need to do is give me a phone call. I totally understand that your schedule's variable, and sometimes things come up. Just be respectful and call me. Okay, I'll call you. So the next time he was late, she said, you told me you'd call me. Because I never said that. You're just being controlling. You're trying to control my life. And she's like, what? I thought we had this conversation. I thought we were going to agree that you were going to call me. And now you're calling me controlling because all I want is a little respect. And these kind of circular, crazy-making conversations go mm-hmm. on over and over and over again. Mm-hmm. And so you constantly feel confused. Leslie, how much of these behavior patterns do we actually bring into the marriage? I mean, you talked about watching as a young girl your mother and father and your mother abusing your father. So you come into marriage bringing a certain amount of baggage 
in that regard. You maybe haven't seen a healthy uh, marital relationship. So you're modeling these things. How do you sit down early on in your relationship and in your marriage to understand what's coming into the marriage and how we need to help one another? Can you be that honest in your first, second, third year of marriage? I think you're going to have to be if you want to change those patterns. You know, everybody comes into marriage with suitcases. <laughs> you said baggage, suitcases. Yeah. And it's really important to know what's in your suitcase, and it's really important to figure out what's in your spouse's suitcase, too. And if the two of you can work on that and talk about that and understand how family patterns or family of origin patterns or what you thought was normal is not normal at all. I remember a woman saying to me in my counseling office, she said, well, how often does your husband curse at you? And I said, my husband's never cursed at me. Uh. Really? Never, ever, never, never cursed at me once. She looked at me like I was lying. She goes, I don't know a single other woman in all of my family. We've been Christians for generations hmm. that their husband doesn't curse them out. I can't believe your husband doesn't curse at you. Because for her, it was totally normal that that should happen in a family. Right. Even from a man who's an elder, a hmm. man who's a pastor, a man who says he's a Christian. Wow. That he has no problem verbally abusing her with bad words. Wow. You're touching on something, Leslie, that I think we should probably address uh, just head on, and that is that many of us in the Christian community don't realize that there are abusive marriages around us. What are some of the signs that we can look for, and how can we even begin to help somebody see uh, that's not normal? Uh, what you just described there, a husband cursing at his wife all the time, that's just not normal. Is it not only not normal, it's not healthy or godly. And I think we've been afraid to say that. I think we've just been afraid in the church to say that to, to one another. I remember getting a phone call. I get phone calls all the time from people I don't know at all. But she said, I'm a small group leader, and I have a couple in my group, and I just sense there's something wrong with their marriage. You wonder, how do you tell? Mm -hmm. She goes, the wife never can talk. Every time we talk about something, she's always looking to her husband. You know, am I saying the right thing? Can mm -hmm. I say this? Is it okay with you? Are you going to be mad at me? But she won't open up her mouth until she gets his okay that she can speak. Whenever she says something that he doesn't like, you know, he nudges her and she shuts down. If he says, we're going now, she can't say, well, wait a minute, I'm finishing up my conversation. Mm -hmm. She shuts down and goes. And so she knows that this woman doesn't have the freedom to speak up, to be herself, but that she's under the thumb of her husband. And she said, what do I do? I feel so afraid for her. Well, and you're describing there a, a control factor, it sounds like to me, that you know that other person, that husband, is trying to utterly control his spouse and the unhealthy right. nature of that. That's right. But sometimes we get really confused in the church because we, some men and some teaching in churches describe headship with synonymous with control. Like, if I'm the head, I get the final say. If I'm the head, I get to tell you what to wear. If I'm the head, I get to tell you what to do because I'm the husband and I get my way. And it becomes very confusing when you're growing up in that kind of church and when you've heard those kind of words all your life to stand up against that and say, wait a minute, I don't think that's what the Bible says when it describes headship. And frankly, that distortion is what gives uh, fuel to those who oppose the gospel especially in the feminist movement, to point out to these examples where that definition being distorted ends up communicating to the world something that's not truly from God's heart. Well, let me give you a story that is, is an absolute true story. I'm going to change a little of the details, but, but I worked with a woman who was very afraid of her husband. He never physically abused them at all, but he was very scary emotionally. He would rage, break things, pound fists, holes in the walls. <clears throat> One day his daughter didn't do something that she should have done. And he was berating her, and the woman was getting stronger, and she said, I want you to go to your room. She said that to her daughter, and she said to her husband, please, you know, stop talking to her that way. That's not good for her. Well, he began raging, even worse, throwing things around. So she ran to the bedroom with her daughter, locked the door, 
And he said, open the door. He's pounding that on the pounding, pounding, pounding. Finally, she scared, was scared and called 911, and the police came. Her pastor was so against what this woman did because she called the authorities because it's his house, and if he wants to break down the door, it's his house. He can break down the door. Huh. She had no right to lock oh. the door, and she had no right to call the police, and they put her under church discipline. Oh, my goodness. For that. For protect, because she was trying to protect, protect herself, herself and her and daughter. Her daughter. Well, that, unfortunately, is, again, in my opinion, just a real misapplication of that headship. In in fact, Leslie, you speak in uh, your book, you talk about Genesis 2 and the helpmate. As we close today, give a better definition in what the Scripture is actually telling us there in what the helpmate truly is. You know, so often we've told women to just be quiet and prop your husband up, be his helpmate and and which we really said is being his enabler, enable him to just continue to sin without any consequence. And that is absolutely the worst thing a woman can do, uh, especially early in the marriage, because if she can be a strong helpmate early in the marriage, she can begin to change some destructive patterns before they become entrenched in the relationship. Uh, Leslie, I want to make sure everyone is hearing what you're saying. Really the goal, and I believe this, um, the reason God brings two people together is so that we can become better and more focused on him. And as a helpmate, what I hear you saying is so awesome that the Lord provides your helpmate so that she can make you a better person in God, that God's character is shaped in you in part because of her relationship in you, that you together you guys are better. And that's what you're saying, isn't it? I'm saying that's the possibility, that's the goal. And so it takes a person to receive that fighting on their behalf. But if a woman knows how to do it wisely, there's amazing things that she can do. And I have seen men wake up when they know their wife is for them, but there are going to be some tough consequences if they don't wake up because the marriage is going to be damaged. This is Focus on the Family with Jim Daly. And our guest is Leslie Vernick talking about her book, The Emotionally Destructive Marriage. John, I really appreciate Leslie's insights and her passion to help husbands and wives do better in their marriages. And when we aired this program in the past, we heard from so many of you about how it impacted your relationships. For example, a man named Mark described how his wife has been emotionally abusive over the course of their 15-year marriage. But he was quick to add that he's not exempt from being abusive to her in return. That's a common dynamic in marriages today. If you hurt me, I'm going to hurt you back. But Mark went on to say how thankful he was that we addressed this hot issue and that it inspired him to call us for help with his marriage. And that's exactly why Focus is here and why we're sharing this program today. We want to bring hope and healing to more marriages just like Mark's. And if we can do that for you and your spouse, contact us. Don't put it off. Don't wait 15 years to find a better way to live. God's got a plan for your marriage, and we'd love to help you get on the road to restoration. It all begins with that call, and uh, we'll be happy to put you in touch with one of our Christian counselors who can pray with you and uh, hear you out and then point to resources that we have. Our number is 800, the letter A and the word family, 800-232-6459, or stop by focusonthefamily.ca. Another resource I highly recommend is Leslie's book, The Emotionally Destructive Marriage. It's a challenging message for all of us because the words we say 
the nonverbals that we communicate without thinking can be so damaging to those we claim to love the most. Order your copy directly from Focus on the Family Canada, and when you do, a part of those proceeds will go right back into rescuing and strengthening marriages. So please, be generous with your support of Focus Canada today. Yeah, we hope you'll join our support team. Again, our number is 800, the letter A in the word family, or you can donate and get Leslie's book at focusonthefamily.ca. Coming up next time, we'll have Leslie back uh, describing what a healthy relationship should look like. In a marriage, both people have to give honesty, they have to give caring, they have to give um, respect, and both people have to give responsibility. In other words, I am going to take some responsibility for the care and the maintenance of this relationship, and both people have to be willing to be repentant when they mess up. On behalf of Jim Daly and the entire team, thanks for joining us today for Focus on the Family. I'm John Fuller inviting you back as we once more help you and your family thrive in Christ.